4: Welcome to the ID10T Podcast number 1100, 1,100 episodes. Um, If you go to ID10T.com, sign up for our email list so that we can let you know about when we put up our new vintage. I mean, they're vintage. They're old new things. They're old but new to the site. They're vintage items that are new to us and new to you. Uh, So we have a bunch of Halloween stuff that we just put up and a bunch of... um, Uh, Chucky uh, Child's Play stuff, like some Chucky socks and some hats and stuff like that too. So go check it out. And uh, Vintage actually plays very well into the podcast today, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, let's talk about you, the ID10T community events at ID10T.com. Uh, like this person, Eddie, who said, hi, my name is Eddie. I work for an AZA accredited zoo. That means one of the good ones in El Paso, Texas. Several years ago, we discovered our Asian elephant Juno has breast cancer. She's been treated five times now with an experimental treatment called electrochemotherapy to much success. A documentary was even made on this and aired on National Geographic. Her treatments are being used to develop new techniques to help combat cancer in humans, too. Unfortunately, like most places, our facility is in need financially due to COVID, which is why I convinced a zookeeper group I'm a part of to let me design a t-shirt with Juno's footprint as part of a campaign with all proceeds going to help eat a small chunk of what it takes to properly give an elephant the love and care they deserve if you could share this it would mean the world to me her caretakers and of course juno the asian elephant please help us help juno as she continues to stomp out cancer this site is bonfire.com slash juno strong j-u-n-o strong oh thank you so much eddie for sharing that and uh hope you're hanging in there Uh, Hope Juno is hanging in there. If you'd like to share your thing on the ID10T Community Corkboard, you can email us events at id10t.com. This episode is Elizabeth and Ethan Finkelstein, who started a website that I adore, called CircaOldHouses.com, and Circa Old Houses is basically a listing site for architectural gems that are for sale around the country, and I've been going to it for years. I would just go and kind of just daydream and, you know, just gawk and marvel at amazing um, details in architecture, you know, the way when they did things in the old days with houses and uh, not like the glass boxes that get thrown up today in a minute and a half. And uh, I'm just sorry, I'm being an old person. But um, uh, they then started the wildly successful offshoot uh, on Instagram called Cheap Old Houses. So they started the Cheap Old Houses Instagram feed, which itself has a bunch of little offshoots too. I think there's like a million and a half people following uh, the, that Instagram feed. But it's uh, an incredible collection of really affordable Um, architectural gems that do need a bit of work but if you're up for the challenge and who knows maybe in the last seven months if you've just decided you need a change or realize like you know what I do all my work on the internet now I don't have to live in the city that I'm in I want to start over somewhere else Um, and you're up for the challenge of doing a bit of work to a house then uh, cheap old houses is an incredible feed there the pictures are great there's a lot of really great interior photos as well and um whether you're looking to just scroll through and daydream um or if you really are looking for you know for yourself for a change then it's and it's a phenomenal feed elizabeth has such an incredible eye and in everything that she everything that she posts on any of the feeds and circle old houses they all just have an extra special something to them so uh, i highly 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 recommend it again the 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 homes on cheap old houses i believe they're under a hundred thousand all the houses on there but and they do need they do need a lot of work and some love but if you're like elizabeth and ethan or you're like lydia and i and you you see a house that might be run down but it has really gorgeous bones or really special elements or a really amazing history and you you feel like you know what i i see the magic in this i see the beauty in it i just i need to save this house i can restore it i can bring it back to its former glory and uh and preserve it (laughs) then it's you know then it's it's definitely uh it's definitely a feed for you uh it's at cheap old houses again uh, on instagram and then there's a bunch of offshoots of it as well and circa old houses Com. So um, I just had such a wonderful time talking to Elizabeth and Ethan and just sort of like uh, nerding out about house restoration and preservation. So I just want to thank them so much for their time and also for what they do to uh, preserve and help promote restoration of, you know, architectural history. And even if you're not into those things, there's, there's so many wonderful lessons in this podcast about... Starting a thing that you're passionate about, getting it up and running, scaling it up, having realistic expectations, and kind of designing the type of thing that you want to do around the kind of life you want to have. So there's uh, plenty of stuff in here, even if you're not um, addicted to house restoration sites. (laughs) Here's the ID10T podcast number 1100 with Elizabeth and Ethan Finkelstein as we roll the thing. remember the first time I discovered circle old houses but it was years ago and yeah. um, because my wife and I are amateur house restorers and we live in a historic home and we've restored other homes and I, when I discovered your site it was like holy shit this is the this is the the thing that I've been waiting for a website that calls <laughs> all of this stuff together it is I'm, I, if, if we were in the same room, you would get a standing ovation for creating <laughs> such an incredible uh, site. And I've recommended it to many people, but it's also just the the eye for design, too. Like almost every side of the house is like, fuck, I'd live here. Shit, I'd live here, too. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Congress, New York? I don't know, but I. Hey,
0: that's
1: next to us. Congress, New York is literally like right <laughs> the town over from us if you want to know. Well, you
4: have a real sweet, like, 18th century federal style house on like 13 acres there in Congress for like $1.8 million, which is if you live in Los Angeles, $1.8 million is actually not a super, like that's a pretty average (laughs) price here. Yes. Totally. Exactly. Yeah.
1: It's so funny. Like the show million dollar listing. I'm like million dollars will get you nothing anymore. Like they need to change that to like $28 million listing. Like that's kind of like a normal threshold now. It's so funny.
4: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Cause the, the median house price in LA must be seven or eight hundred thousand dollars or it might it might have be been creeping up to a million. Um so you're absolutely right. That's the if, if that show were ju- if it just took place in LA, they could just call it like median price house show.
1: Right, right.
4: <laughs> I would love to get a, a sense of where y'all came from, where the idea came from, because I know you have backgrounds in, um, in architecture and, and preservation architecture, arch- architecture history. So can you, like, what, can you just walk me through the journey of the inception of circa old houses and, and, uh, the where's and the when's and the how's?
1: Yeah, well, it's, It's kind of... Circa really is like the meeting of our minds. Ethan runs a digital design and marketing agency. And I'm just like an all old things nerd. Like we both have old houses in our lives. He... His grandmother had a 200 acre farm in New Hampshire.
0: And it was actually going up for sale, like kind of when we first met. And... You know it was a 200 acre farm it was going for 600,000 it was a federal style in the 1700s it was built and I you know I think we were dating for a few weeks and it was kind of like hey Elizabeth you want to like move to this farm with me on the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire
1: and I was sort of like, I don't even know you yet, but, but I was also like, wow, this is like a man of my own heart. Like, cause we're going to, we're going to do that someday. And it's so funny how we're always like to us, it's like, we're going to get that old farmhouse someday. We just are, are constantly sort of talking about
0: it. So this. it's, yeah, I think it's been this epic dream and journey to fulfilling that. And, you know, we had a kid along the way and, you know, been married for many ish years and, <laughs> um, you know, uh, have been just trying to chip away at it slowly and this has been one of the brainchilds to kind of get
1: there i you know we really wanted to make old houses cool because like i i have a master's in historic preservation i've gone through sort of like the traditional world of preservation and testified at all the like community board hearings and the landmarks commission hearings and done all the kind of academic stuff and you know i'm like why is the median age person at these meetings like so much older than me, I would be asked to be on every single board of an old house all the time because they wanted to like, they wanted young people to join. So they would ask me, but I was like the only one. And I was like, why young people love cool old things. I know they do because they're like spinning vinyl records and they're wearing vintage clothes and like
0: posting on Instagram with filters.
1: Yeah. I'm like, this is like, what is, what is the preservation world missing? So we were like, let's just start a site to make old houses cool because my parents were trying to sell their house and wanted to market it. You know, it, it was gonna take a specific buyer who wanted an old house and
0: every realtor who kinda came in was like, Oh, it's four four bedrooms and two baths and this and that and they saw nothing of the seventeen hundreds character, of the huge fireplace, of the like warmth that you feel on a Christmas morning. Or, you know, any holiday for that
1: matter. <laughs> <laughs> We're like real nostalgics over here.
4: <laughs> no, listen, honestly, if you, I mean, you, I can't spin my desktop computer, but you can see, like, what's on the other side of my computer on my wall right now. What I'm looking at is this very old style wallpaper, which you can see. And every portrait in here is a Victorian oil portraiture. So, so awesome. I have a
1: whole wall
4: <laughs> and they're just just random oil portraits that I picked up at flea markets and secondhand stores. And, you know, when I, when I travel and do stand-up um, I just, I go, I go kind of see what the local, um, vintage scene arc, uh, uh, antique scene is. And so I'll just grab like, something from an antique mall and throw it in my suitcase. And so
0: it, Do you like going to, uh, auctions? Antique yeah.
4: Auctions? Yeah. I mean, th- there are a couple of good auction sites that, uh, that I've actually been stingy about not mentioning on the podcast. I'm like, I don't want the (laughs) word to get out. But, you know, almost everything in our house is um, old. It's like, it's vintage, it's antique, you know, stuff we brought back from, we have a big armoire we brought, had shipped back from Austria that we found in Salzburg. Like, everything has a story. And I see it all as that we're curators of these things at this moment in time, and, and hopefully we'll then pass them down. But our house looks like a frickin', (laughs) <laughs> natural history museum like a, <laughs> like a, it looks like a vintage store and i'm looking in your background and i see like a really cool old cabinet in the background and some really great warm wallpaper it's it's real nice
0: this uh, this cabinet in the this, well
4: sorry well this
1: cabinet in the back like i was at this antique shop with my mom and it's like it was handmade by someone in like probably 1800 ish and it was passed down in the family, and the great grandmother was passing away, and none of the kids wanted it, so it ended up. This woman bought it and was selling it as an antique, and I'm like, "I'll take it," and I'll write her a letter and tell her that I wanted it because I'm like, "How can you?"
0: Because her whole family didn't want it yet. Yeah,
1: no one in the family wanted it, and I'm oh. like, "Well, it's you know, it just yeah, I know." I can't go get IKEA.
0: No offense to IKEA, but you know,
1: <laughs> wanting anything that doesn't have a story—I mean, that's like the fun of things, and why have anything if you don't but any anyway, i going back to what ethan said about auctions if you haven't run the country auction circuit it's hilarious like the people the food they serve it is a whole subculture unto itself like there were there i remember we were there and <laughs> <laughs> these these two guys behind us were like these like two like big burly biker dudes Harley and dudes. they were yeah, they were like bidding and they ended up bidding on this like little violet demitasse like teacup that they won. <laughs> and there's just people, you know, like you get to know the people and what they're there for and everybody's like a little bit crazy in their own way after like these crazy niche things they sort of love. So it's a very, very funny world. It's a whole, like probably if I had nothing else to do every Saturday night, I would go to an auction because it's just so funny. Wait,
4: is, that, is that for their own personal use or, are they, or is, it, is it dealers that are buying stuff to then sell?
1: I think it depends which auction house you go to. Yep. There are some that are definitely more higher end auctions that get dealers. But I grew up kind of way upstate New York. That doesn't, it's far enough away from the city that it doesn't really attract those people. So Mm -hmm. it's much more like country auctions and people. There are definitely some people who are looking to resell, but a lot of people who just like want to collect.
4: Well, it's crazy that idea that you know that someone had to craft the thing by hand. And it's also just like the subtle imperfections where, you know, like it was not made by a machine and it's aged because of however it was used, like certain parts of it may wear if, if people's hands were opening one, it's like everything about it. It's, it's, it's just that this living three-dimensional diary of a bunch of stories that we probably will never know, you know, there's right. no way to know, but you just, you know, that they're imbued in the pieces, just by nature of the fact that they have survived for, you know, one or two centuries. Um, what's, the old, what's the oldest piece of furniture that
0: you have? I think a lot of our stuff, we love primitive, um, sort of federal style furniture.
1: Yeah, like things that were really handcrafted. I don't know. I I split my love for like really handcrafted stuff and really like kitschy mid-century mm-hmm. stuff. So,
0: I would say 1700s. Yeah, though. we have some was... we have
1: some stuff from like the the 1700s cuz cuz a lot of the auction houses near us you know, My parents live way upstate New York, which is right on the border of Vermont. So you get a lot of like really early American houses that are selling their stuff. You know, whenever anyone passes away, the family sends everything to the auction house. And it's usually just because the houses were very, very old up there. And that's kind of the style that you get a lot of very early stuff. A lot of shaker things are in auction houses up there. And
0: honestly, it's fun to be into something that is not super expensive. So being into primitives right now is like the easiest thing. If you're into mid-century modern, you're spending tons of money on, you know, uh so right, like it's almost anything. like niching within the niche to kind of find out, you know.
4: If um, you know where to go though because I feel like, you know, the word is out on um salvage and upcycle and vintage and so you know, there are sites out there that have gone up it feels like ten to twenty percent a year, and probably because some of these aggregator sites take a big chunk, and so the dealers are having to hike prices on mm-hmm. things. Um, but you know, there are things now that I feel like were a few hundred dollars, maybe five or seven years ago, and now are like eighteen hundred, three thousand. Yes. It's like, but just wait a minute. <laughs> is <this> a <laughs> habit, but is it you know? I don't know if it should be $4,800. And so I I think part of it is, I don't know, I guess where I'm going is, is there going to be a circle old furniture um,
1: offshoot (laughs) at some point? Well, are you familiar with Cheap Old Houses, our Instagram
4: feed? Well, yes, I follow Cheap Old Houses. Like I follow Cheap Old Houses, Historical Homes of America. There's like three or four that I follow that, um, yes. And cheap, Cheap Old Houses is such a stroke of genius because it, Circus great if you can spend you know half a million up to you know three or four million dollars, but cheap old houses is such a brilliant idea because it really i feel like this audience you were talking about, the younger people who might like this kind of just didn't know where to go to find these things, so it's like i don't know i don't know where to go to find this type of thing, so you're you're basically spoon feeding that <laughs> in, for you know houses for less than for hundred thousand dollars or less, and they're all just. And now it's like, I think we're proving in the last six months, it almost kind of doesn't matter where you live. If you, you know, it's like most of our work we're doing via Zoom. So have you noticed an uptick in the last six months in traffic and interest and activity?
1: Yeah, we typically average on cheap old houses like 10,000 new followers weekly. Oh my gosh. which Which is amazing. But since the pandemic, it's been like 20 to 25 new followers yeah. weekly. People are... People, you know, this whole thing about that realtor say, like location, 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 that's always been the mantra of real estate agents. And it's so different now. Location, it has such a different meaning for people. It doesn't have to be tied to your work anymore. So it opens up the possibilities for so many more, you know, so many more opportunities.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think also the media has kind of caught on as well as just like the word, you know, everyone was, it, it was so weird in the middle of the pandemic or the very intense period. Um, you know, I think it was just, it was like, you know, and we knew we had to be like working extra hard. Cause like this content was the only positive news almost that anyone was receiving on their Instagram feed. Like people were just dreaming and, and their minds were exploding as to, cause they were stuck in these cities or in these apartments or wherever they were um, I don't know just freaking out and then seeing a you know a plot of land on five acres for sixty thousand dollars you're like what yeah uh, oh, in an know, old It's so
4: aspirational and it's so transformed it's so yeah I mean I, I we we look at properties all the time and, and I don't think we're gonna it's not that we're gonna you know move, move to Congress New York but I showed my wife that <laughs> 18th century federal property and she was like oh my god that's gorgeous and you know, come be our neighbors.
1: Yeah, come.
4: <laughs> I mean, if, you know, if it weren't for the winters, I, I guess because my wife's from Connecticut, and uh, and we really do like where we live. But boy, so, you know, like more and more, we're just like
3: uh,
4: a ranch property somewhere. You know, we'll put some friggin' bees on there and get, get a couple <laughs> goats. You know, and uh, as long as we have good internet, so we can work from there. It's like, what else? We don't really. We're, we, we, we'd be okay. So I get it. I really, I really do. I, I look at your site just to daydream and I'm sure that's part of it for, for most people.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the houses on cheap houses are particularly interesting, not necessarily just because of their prices, but a lot of them need a lot of work because they've been either neglected for a long time or they're in places that haven't had the kind of investment that, you know, where you live or where we live. So where we live, right outside of New York City, every time a house gets sold, the kitchen gets renovated, the bathroom gets renovated, and then new people move in and they redo all that. And it's like, it's constantly flipped over and over. So Every
0: 10 s- years is the latest trend of, you know, this kind of tile or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Oh,
4: yeah. 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 Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. and <laughs> I, I just get so, you know, whenever I see like pink granite countertops, I just want to scratch my eyes out, you know? It's like... <laughs> Well, that was the you know that was the trend fifteen twenty years ago, and now I feel like it's you know the open concept and the uh, yep. you know fake marble I don't know
1: well, trends move so much more quickly now than they did back then, I mean Greek revival as a style and was popular for like. A million years. If if that existed today, it would be like one year and then the whole next thing we'd be <laughs> onto it. So, so if you update your kitchen this year, it's going to look bad by next year if you don't work with the style of your house and make it look correct to what the house is. It's never going to look wrong if you work with a house. And what's cool about the houses on cheap old houses is because they haven't been flipped so many times, they're kind of like these amazing little time capsules. And I think that's what makes them so fascinating because you can like It's the only place – it's the only sort of consistent feed where you're constantly going to see, like, an original Tudor kitchen. And it's so fun to see things in their original condition like that, even if they're – if the paint's peeling and they've been neglected. Just seeing them kind of untouched and unchanged is really amazing. Yeah, some of the,
0: like, like, craziest properties are the ones that are, like – these crazy pink kitchens or where they're so in this capsule of time that no one, like basically people rip them out every single time they see them. And the mantra has been just get rid of this stuff. This is so gaudy.
1: It's dated. It's or
0: dated or whatever. And and now it's like, you don't, there's, there's such a needle in a haystack to find some of that stuff. And it just, people go wild for that period because it's, it doesn't even exist in time. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, it's also, it's also having the right, I think it's also having someone with the right eye to say, like, well, instead of completely, because there are there are certain things, you know, if your house is is old, it re- and has never really been updated. There are certain things that made sense a hundred years ago that don't, it's like now people have more clothes than they had hundred years ago.
0: Totally. You know, <laughs> now
4: people are a little bit taller. Like there's more space, like we need, people need more space. There's more kitchen stuff. We have TVs, we have, you know, computers and, and things. And so what elements can you preserve? Like, how can you preserve the the maximum amount of elements to kill, still keep it in that period but then expand it in a way that's useful to now. And I feel like not everyone, some some people just kind of go with that all or nothing, like just rip all this shit out and just put in the, you know, just make it cheap and easy. And now we briefly pause to thank our sponsor for this episode of the ID10T podcast, ExpressVPN. So uh, perhaps you've heard of the term surveillance capitalism, but it basically just means that big tech companies can monitor what you're doing online, uh, mine your data, and then uh, target ads back at you (laughs) by monitoring things like searches, messages, video histories. But when you run ExpressVPN on your device, it hides your IP address, which makes it much more difficult for them to do those things, to sell your data. to advertisers. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers and prying eyes. Many VPNs slow down your internet, but ExpressVPN is incredibly fast and easy to use. Just tap one button and you are protected. So if you don't like the idea of tech companies exploiting your personal information, then visit expressvpn.com slash ID10T right now, and you can get three extra months free of ExpressVPN. That is ExpressVPN, dot ncom slash ID10T. Protect your data. Go to ExpressVPN.com slash ID10T to learn more. Thank you to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this episode of the ID10T podcast, which we now return to. I'd to hear some tips that you might have for people who say like, look, you know, I, I bought a house for not a lot of money. I do have to completely change the kitchen. What is a way that I can preserve as much as i can and still make it livable by today's standards
0: i would say for the kitchen as an example i mean you know if it's if it's a farmhouse you know you, you go like you know get very simple you don't need to do you know your granite you don't need to have all this great cabinetry all this you know you need to have storage you need to have a pantry you need to have some of those functional items but um you know you don't need to like make it open concept with a i don't know uh, an island and totally disrupt the sort of flow that was intentional um elizabeth has probably way more to talk about yeah
1: (laughs) i am a little obsessed with kitchens i think even though i hate cooking which is so funny but i want a kitchen that looks really good Uh, i think that you know, you, it doesn't take much to do a quick search. We have so much access to everything online now and, and in histories and design to, there are been articles written on the history of kitchen design and it doesn't, you don't have to in intensely research this to get a basic understanding of the kind of thing you should look for in a kitchen. So it wasn't until like the 40s ish that the idea of like a built-in kitchen was a thing before that kitchens were sort of like cobbled together pieces of furniture so you had things like who's cabinets which is like was like an all-in-one kind of cabinet that kind of did various things for you and was storage so you would place that there and then you'd have the standalone sink and then you'd have the standalone ice box or fridge so and then as it kind of moved on we got more into this idea of like built-in kind of cabinetry so just Um, Just knowing when your house was built and understanding a little bit about the era. Um, Just understanding sort of colors that were popular at the time. You know, I'm not like a, I'm not a purist. I'm not saying you have to. I probably would restore my house exactly as it was at the time, but I know not everybody's that crazy. Right. Like
0: we're changing our oven to be a nineteen forties oven because we live in a nineteen forties house. Like,
1: yeah, like I bought like a restored nineteen forties oven. Now that's oh, wow. a little bit extreme and I'm probably gonna burn <laughs> the house down.
0: <laughs> it's being completely restored. It's not like a, you know, a hack job to get this oven.
1: Right, right.
0: But it will be a ten thousand pounds and I'll have to get it in the house.
1: And we actually <laughs> learned that the oven we're getting is like you know, our ho- our house is from the 40s and it's it's kind of small and the little like doorways in it are really narrow and it's actually like the doorways going into the kitchen are two inches smaller than the oven. Oh. So I already <laughs> ordered it and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. This is so typical. I have no idea what we're going to do, but it's going to be totally worth it when, when the <laughs> oven gets <laughs> I think what you're going to
4: do is you're going to have to pull a door jam off, get yep. it through and then reattach the door jam. And then
0: that's, I don't, you know yeah i mean there's there's a yeah anyways chris this is the whole whole thing <laughs>
1: <laughs> ethan's like oh my gosh this is so typical <laughs> but it's sort
4: of it sort of never ends and i feel like we're constantly in a state of restoration because it's just something that we love to it's just something we love to do and it 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 really just feels like the, a form of expression where you're living in the art you get to live in it you know it's like you get to experience it instead of just look at it, it becomes a part of your ecosystem. And to me, that is, um, it's such a fun thing to do. But of course, you know, there's a million ways. We were, so we have this like little pool house thing and we're going to kind of turn it into, you know, like a little bit of a music room and a game room. But it was a, it was a complete disaster. And we've been trying to find this balance. There's like, it's like five different styles all at once. Like we got this this burned Japanese Yakisugi wood for the outside, but then we everything in it is is salvaged. So there are a couple of windows that are from a Tudor place. There's a door that's the bottle glass from an old Spanish place. And we're trying to find the perfect balance of getting all of these Like we got, because our house is Spanish, so we got barrel tiles for the top, but they're black to go with the yakisugi. And so we're trying to find the perfect balance. Like, can we balance all of these styles together and make them talk to each other so that it doesn't, because there's a real fine line between like a cohesive piece and then just a fucking mess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's so true
0: there's always eclectic style you can fit it right in there
1: yeah it's i know (laughs) i know architectural historians are always like we don't know what style is it's eclectic they call it eclectic (laughs) you know i i think whatever you're gonna do i always say just do no harm to the house don't throw out your original windows don't remove original stuff like if what you're doing is um reversible or it's doing something on top of the house or no granted if 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 the house was a gut job and there's nothing there to begin with and you have to start from scratch, that's a completely different story. But I, totally. I just always feel like, you know, the safest bet is to in case the next person who comes along wants to, you know, okay. have the windows.
4: Well, this pool house was added in like the eighties or something. So it's not, it wasn't original. It's not an original piece of anything. So, and it was pretty much falling down. So it, we 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 had more Liberty with it than we would have had, if it were in our house house, which is a, you know, 1928 Spanish Paul Williams house. So it's like it, we we, we, we had, we had a little more freedom with that, but I would love, I'm sure that people now who are starting to realize like, Oh, I could afford a house from cheap old houses as long as, you know, I was a little flexible on where I would live. I'd love to talk a little bit about just for what people can expect. It's like, if you're a first time home buyer and I don't want to scare anyone away because I, I love being a homeowner. I, I think it's great. I recommend <laughs> it if, you know, if, you, if you can swing it, but um, some people go, Oh my God, $100,000 house, you know, I'll just, whatever. I'll just tackle all the work inside myself. It It is that thing that that journey of like, okay, but just know that once you open walls, you don't know what you're going to find. <laughs> and if you try to do things on the cheap yourself, you'll probably end up spending more down the road than if you just kind of did it right the first time. So can you talk a little bit about that process and also some advice you have for finding good contractors that will show up (laughs) and, (laughs) and actually like, you know, keep the project on, on schedule.
1: Well, the second part I don't know that I can help you with. <laughs> I think everybody has the contractor that disappears. <laughs> but I do think,
0: actually, if you talk about the contractor specifically, I think in some of these locations, you're not dealing with a New York City or L.A. audience or, or, or people who, you know, I have a buddy who was trying to fix his place in Ditmas Park, Brooklyn, and, and and he had, like, five people come out for the gutter job, and, like, no one would come. This guy even left a ladder once he finally did come. It was just a whole mess you know, and the price was just completely exorbitant and he ended up getting his buddy to just help him. It's totally a real issue, I think, in the urban places. But if you talk about some of these places that these are in, I mean, that is your demographic. If you, if you think about it, I think that is your, you know, you don't have your tech companies, you don't have, you know, um,
1: so yeah, some, some sort of rural environments, the, the industries are more kind of, um, Craftsmen, but you know it's it's fewer white collar jobs around there, and more and more people that do things like contracting um, and know how to help with things like that. And you're yeah, you're dealing with so much less competition and price competition in cities. Um, and and I would just say, what's that?
4: They're more accountable to each other because it's a smaller town. Totally. So Absolutely, really and they all really important, and
1: totally. they all know each other. So you can you can. Find someone who does it and ask, you know, word of mouth and, and that sort of thing. I think word of mouth recommendation is sort of the, the kind of best.
3: This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat Shopify
2: already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Wondery, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Wondery to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash Wondery.
0: And I think, and I think getting back to your first point about, you know, I'm just going to do this myself and, you know, I mean, you know, when I was 20, I swear that I was like, yes, I can do X, Y, and Z. You know, there wasn't even, there wasn't even the YouTube that we had, you know, all the stuff, the access points that we have on the internet now that we can look into this stuff. And even now, before I get into a job and I'm, we are not like big contractor people. I mean, you know, we've, we've done some renovations, et cetera, but, um, and obviously, you know, most of them are historically accurate, but I think. Yeah, I was, I was totally, I'm, I'm, I would probably be totally over my head uh, at that 20, when I was going to buy that farm with Elizabeth, uh, 200, you know, that was a 1700s house and didn't have the money to actually do anything with it. Um, but
1: like beautifully naive too. Like a lot of people totally. who do their first project say, I'm glad I didn't know what I was getting into because I never would have done it. And yet it turned out to be the best thing I ever did. I, you know, I think of it a lot like parenting. So we have a five-year-old and five years ago after I had that baby, I was literally like, what did I do to my life? I'm never going to sleep again. This is crazy. <laughs> and like who, who would ever have a second child? Like who does this? Who ever recommends this? And so, but of course then you come out of it and you realize it's also the most rewarding thing you'll ever do. And you love your children. And I, it's kind of like a house, you know, yes. Is it hard? Yeah. Are some of the greatest things you do in your life hard? You know, right now We, Ethan just heard me go on this diatribe the other day about this, but I feel like we, we build houses now and we implement technologies to make our lives super easy where we just sit here and we yell at Google to like turn the lights on for us. (laughs) And we don't, we don't work with our hands and we don't get up and do things. So therefore we have to go to a gym to exercise because we're not moving our bodies and we're not like, we're not doing satisfying things with our hands. And those are very it's and, talk about, and talk, talk about the
0: mental health kind of component of this, where you're like trying to figure something out. You're trying to do something to, you know, better yourself. You're sitting there on Twitter or whatever, soaking in the political environment or whatever it is. And you're not doing something positive for the world and the community. And you're just kind of sucking in all this, you know, negative energy that the internet kind of breeds um and
1: unless you're following houses,
0: that's the breath of fresh air that's <laughs> Thank
1: God. The,
4: that's the air freshener you know, <laughs> if the car you know like if the car smells like farts and old burger king sort of old houses is that gorgeous pine air freshener that just hangs from the mirror and makes everything okay it just makes, <laughs> <laughs> makes it all okay
0: But, um, I'm trying to think now, I mean, there's so many different ways, you know, I think, I think the biggest thing is we literally have our one of our taglines is like, save your pennies, save your pennies, get that $15,000 house. Every single house is going to be a different case. You need to do, you know, you need to work with an inspector. Some of these houses that Elizabeth posts are in amazing condition. They might just have some paint issues and maybe need a new water heater and, you know, have some things that you can live with, you know. Um, we've seen some houses that don't have toilets and a kitchen and anything, and you have to bring all that stuff in and just the stuff that will go in there, you know, is going to cost you a ton of money for those appliances on top of the wiring, the insulation, you know, all the carpentry, um, you know, don't even talk about foundational issues. So, you know,
1: do your homework. You
0: can't just buy a house. I mean, you know, I think the media has recently kind of been like, People are buying houses you know unseen on Instagram you know via cheap old houses
1: i don 't think anybody is that naive. I think everybody knows they 're getting into work and they want that project
0: I think you know we 've had some stories of people like flying across the country or driving across the country to see some of these houses. You should do that if you 're actually interested in this um, and get an inspector for three hundred dollars he 'll walk through the place with you he 'll tell you all the issues and he 'll give you a quick price quote as to what everything is going to be you know, add up to, or you can add it up yourself. Um, and then I think,
1: I think there's something about, sorry, were you going to, am I cutting you off?
0: No, I mean,
1: I think there's something about enjoying the process of it and not feeling like, like, okay, if you buy a house for under a hundred thousand dollars and you can afford that and you're not, you know, you either buy it in cash or you have a very small mortgage that's not going to kill you. And you're able to save up a little bit every month to do the work that needs to be yeah, done in the have house.
0: You $500 a month to get a new dishwasher, to get a new whatever, a fridge or whatever.
1: Right. And then you you work on it over time. I think there's this, you know, my uncle said to me a few years ago, he's like, kids today want to start where I ended up. Like, I didn't have my really nice house until I was like, you know older and and everybody wants that everybody wants that like instagrammable house within like a month you know we're gonna move in and we're gonna like
4: that's the hgtv of it all though where you think oh you you know this will be done you know this will be done in six weeks and it's gonna be like this you know showcase style like well it's not it's gonna cost
0: you thirty thousand (laughs) dollars
1: right yeah
0: yeah. (laughs) i know i see those sometimes
4: like what the fuck yeah i talked to this guy um named Chase Morrill, who's uh, is a, has this amazing show called Main Cabin Masters and they do these reno's on these cabins for like 25 grand but but they are essentially like camp cabins it's like they don't yep. they're and they're amazing inside they do such amazing work but it's not like it's not quite you know it's like the budget on a house will be a little bit more and so that's what just as long as people expect that and i think there is a little bit of a dunning kruger thing which happens which is that study which basically said like you know people don't know what they don't know and they will generally assume that they know more because they aren't aware of what they aren't aware of (laughs) and so they might go it's really easy to like fix up a house and i'll just get some youtube videos it's like well yes maybe for like patching holes and things but you really need licensed people to do foundation work, to handle the electrical, to make sure that you're not taking out a support beam. Like Unless you're a structural engineer, be very careful because it can compromise your life and your safety and you don't want wires going up in walls and blowing up. And,
0: the, and, and just the amount of time. I mean, we, we kind of say it's time or money. You can throw money at it or you can you know spend time on it. It's going to take you probably 10 times as long to do the thing that a professional is going to take to do. And if you don't want to pay them that money, then you have to sacrifice your time. I mean, yeah, uh, I would never, yeah, never recommend anything structural or, (laughs) (laughs) you know, uh, electrical. So you have a fire or what, you know,
4: oh my God. Um, I would love to to kind of walk through a little bit, going back to the thing about like when you started Circle Old Houses and, you know, just for just the kind of the meta story of like the passion project. I assume it was a passion project when you started it because you said, Oh, I want to, I just want to show people that these old houses are cool. And I want to aggregate them in a, in a really great way. And obviously you have marketing background and you have architecture history background, but is I know, are are you also still working country living?
1: Yes. I'm the real estate writer for country living.
4: My wife and I just did a, a, an inter, a story with them. Cause she started this trend where she puts up a, I came home a couple years ago and there was a, a Halloween tree. And I go, what the hell is this? And she goes, Oh, I wanted a Halloween tree. We'll roll it into a Thanksgiving tree and then roll it into a, a Christmas.
0: tree. Nice. wanted That's a holiday,
4: holiday tree up for like three months out of the year. So we're, you know, in a couple of weeks, we'll put up our Halloween tree. So we just did a thing for country living. And so you, you, um, was it just a side project when you started or did you guys both go, you know what? We really are going to go all in on this. I'm going to kind of push everything else aside or did that take a little bit of time? I'd love for people who are <laughs> thinking about starting their passion project, how much of their lives, how quickly are they willing to let it take over?
1: Okay. So, well, first of all, you're talking to two people who really firmly believe in the freedom of working for ourselves. And, and, and you know, we're, we're big on just like financial independence, on independence of our time, um, now that's not to say that we don't work all the time, right? But we can work from anywhere, and we that's have the dream
0: to of being able to work from anywhere. But
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think that you know, so when we started Circa, we we were just sort of looking for I don't know. You know, we've had a lot of ideas. When I was living in Brooklyn, I was I I I just kept starting blogs about this, that, and the other thing, and and they were they were cute and fun, but they were never going to really like. Be a business for me and circa i 'm trying to think like how we came up with the idea of circa
0: it was a, it was a, one of the i mean there 's so many stories chris and it 's like you know how 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 dense are people or thick are people in terms of just their their complexity but one of the things was you know we really wanted Elizabeth to have a gig. she was working with me in Brooklyn, we were doing my digital marketing agency, and then essentially. You know, she left her full-time job preservation and then she moved on to work with me. And then it was like working together in the same company, especially for something that I kind of created. She needed her own project. So we ended up kind of getting this project. It was Circa. Um, She had the challenges in her life of her parents trying to sell the house. We also wanted something that she could do and we could have a baby. So literally we planned this thing like four years before we had a kid. Um... And we're like, okay, how do we make something so you can work from home and not have to stress about not being home with our child that was not born?
1: (laughs) It's so funny that that's the way – Ethan sees it, because I think that's a huge part of it, but I'm just such an idealist that I'm like, I want to do something that's all saving houses. So, like, he probably had that in the back of his mind, but I don't really ever remember having that discussion. Like, this is going to be something that's going to secure your financial freedom. Like, I think this was like... Because I don't I, I, just, I didn't well, really. Well, and, and how do
0: we use her passions, right? And, like, how do we just... Like, she has this awesome degree from this awesome, you know, school about historic preservation. And, like, for me, it was like... How do you use that and not, you know, I mean, I'm working for people like L'Oreal and Revlon. So it's sort of like, you know, like
1: big corporate clients. And, and, and I think, you know, the, the world of preservation is very much, okay. There are preservation architects and there's the whole sort of trades and restoration side of it, but the world I was in was like the nonprofit side of it. And, and there was, you know, and it, and it's, it operates in a very kind of the traditional world of preservation advocacy operates in a certain way and it's been operating like that for a very long time and we kind of wanted to just i just wanted to shake it up a little she was like, like i wanted to again like we said like bring it to younger people
0: and i think ultimately it started like early on we kind of knew sort of how many houses we could actually save if we were bringing a national audience to the love of this stuff um More so than ever she could have done in a nonprofit that actually had funds going directly to, you know, something we, it was almost like we, the the core thing was like always, how do we just save all the old houses? And it was, and now like we have 40, 50 stories of people who have, bought and rescued these homes i mean one of the funny things that i kind of see us as is like we're like the sarah mclaughlin's of uh, old houses you know like we're saving these like rescue animals or you know these rescue houses
1: oh like the like the animal shelter commercial so
4: you have to play the sarah mclaughlin song over like a bunch of dissolving images of like,
1: <laughs> houses, like
4: that are being that are being <laughs> saved i mean it,
0: well,
4: yeah good
1: i don't know i mean it, it sounds all plotted out to be fair i think that I, oh, I yeah. think the only projects that ever really take off are those that totally come from your heart. If you go into anything being like, "I'm going to do this to make money," it's it's you. It, there there is so much work that goes into running your own business that you better want to do it every minute of every day. And we love this enough that I will push that content out day after day after day, and it never yeah, really. And old
0: houses was totally an accident. She houses
1: we never thought would be a business model. It was it just now, listening It was just
0: listening to people from circa as to what they loved and wanted, and they wanted cheap old houses.
1: <laughs> yeah, like that. those were the ones that people were – I started this column on Circa called 10 Under 50K where I would post like 10 houses under $50,000. Yeah, 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 I know that column. And then people just started sending me so many houses. We had such a stockpile, and I and, and people would send me this house. and would be like, oh, my gosh, look at this house. And I'd be like, I know. And I would look on Zillow, and it would have like four views. And I'm like, no one's <laughs> ever going to appreciate this. And it would be sitting in my inbox, and I'm like – "I." quite literally need a dumping ground to put these things.
0: Now on. some of these, I mean, if you look at the Instagram analytics, it's like 875,000 people saw this old house, like,
1: so like houses nice. that would never be appreciated. <laughs> and it feels so good that we can sort of share them with people. And, and cheap old houses was just for fun. I never thought it would ever make money on its own. And now it's like much more of a business model than Circa is. So well, it's, that's
4: what I mean. It's like the, 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 the houses from Circa are so aspirational And the houses from cheap old houses feel like, oh, these are attainable. Like I can actually, like I'll go to Circa and Daydream and I'll look at cheap old houses and go, oh, this, you know, I'm sure a lot of people see themselves in the houses. Like, oh, this is just a little bit, you know, it's a little bit scuffed up, but it just needs some love and it can like, you can see the story of
1: it. Right, it's it's like yeah, right. It's 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 like people who fall in love with troubled people because they want to save them. It's like the same thing, you know. It's I think that's what it is. You see how I hope you didn't like, see
0: that in me. I don't know. You're
1: like, <laughs> you're like I, you know, and not only like could I live there and it could be beautiful, but like it needs me and I'm going to help it. And then in some cases, like help the whole community. I mean, some of these towns they're shrinking. People are leaving them you know, to think that there could be good bones there that could bring people back. In some cases are all, some of these towns have going for them right now. If there isn't a huge job base and they're, you know, they're, they're people are leaving. So.
4: But it is interesting that any kind of business, almost any kind of digital business that you start now is really a marketing business in the sense that it, everything just requires some sort of a, a knowledge or an understanding of like how to cut through all the noise. I mean, it's fine. Like, listen, if, if someone just wants to start a passion project and they're totally comfortable, they just love it so much, and none of the other stuff matters, it doesn't have to matter. But just in terms of scaling up, which is generally the decision that, you know, like when people are in something for a while, they are often have to kind of make that decision do I want to keep this intimate in the way that it is, or how do I scale it up while maintaining? the intimacy and the personality of it, but still reaching more of an audience and becoming more of a marketing thing. And so I feel like most things online now are just friggin' marketing and social media has both helped and fucked everything up at the same time. Because <laughs> You know, social media, like, I feel like pulled people away from blogs and basically had to turn blogs into brands that have a social media presence. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like a lot of the social media companies algorithmically are really focusing more on user experience and not enough on the content creator experience to help content creators cut through the noise. And so, you know, everyone has kind of seen their numbers get hacked at the knees in terms of reach (laughs) And these are people whose businesses were kind of wrecked by social media, who took them away from the blogs. It's like, okay, guys, every time you make an algorithm change, it can really affect someone's business, like someone's personal business who relies on reaching people that agreed to follow them but aren't seeing your posts (laughs) because your algorithm is deciding that it's not relevant to them. It's like... What the fuck? What are we, you know, like, and so that, that idea of marketing. Did this just happened to you, Chris? <laughs> it
1: happened <laughs> I, to everyone. I literally no. feel like two Everybody days ago recently, Instagram did yeah. something because, yeah, I feel it.
4: It doesn't really it doesn't really affect my me my personal thing but it affects yeah. like so many people I know totally. whose businesses
0: rely on an Instagram audience. Well, and when you're talking about a farm to quote unquote table like a meat delivery service or something, that's literally that's how the the farm is sustaining besides like the local community. You know, I mean Elizabeth has done some recent interviews with some farmers who like ship meat across the country and To your point, I mean it's it's literally how they're sustaining themselves in the middle of Idaho, you know, or whatever.
3: Right. Um, You can
1: reach a bigger audience now and you're not limited to your local community. I think I think one of the things is to not exist solely on a social media platform. I mean, we 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 collect emails as well, like because then you own your list and Instagram doesn't own it. And if Instagram decides that they want to do something, you have no way to communicate with your people. So I think you just have to like diversify your, uh, honestly. We can talk about the marketing side of stuff forever. There is so much strategy that goes into anything like this. I think we are, we are past the days where it's like, oh, you run an Instagram feed? Like, oh, that's so cute. You know, it's like, no, this is like, it's a content platform, like a magazine is or a newspaper is. I mean, it's, it's an editorial, it's a, it's a, it's a platform and it takes a ton of strategy.
3: You're
4: right. It's like everyone has their own little personal magazine but but just in terms of understanding some of the marketing side, what are some of the marketing questions that you ask as you're looking at something like circa or cheap old houses, or you know even for the bigger brands that you work with, what are some of the initial questions that people should be asking themselves if they have a passion project, um, you know, and they want to kind of take it to the next level?
1: It's finding your unique voice in it. I mean that that's at least that's what. Ethan can say a lot more about this because he actually well, does think, this for a
0: living. But I also <laughs> think listening to your audience, like, what is your so first you have to have your niche, and then you, and then what do these people want? You know, I think for circa the real estate agents want their houses lifted up. They don't want to be a dime a dozen in you know on Zillow or whatever platform. They want to be lifted up to a platform that makes them look good within a collection of other things that look good and you know, that that's consistent. I think for cheap old houses, I mean, some of these realtors, for example, the, obviously the people love it, but the realtors, it's kind of insane to hear some of the stories behind the realtor side of it, because we've had, you know, we've posted some houses and like hundreds of people have called the realtors and the agents on the other line in like, you know, some small town America is like, like, what the hell is going on? Like, why are we getting all these phone calls? Like what? like, you know, and they're, and they didn't know they were featured yeah, like in like some on some
1: tiny town that like,
0: <laughs> and, 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 the, and the broker is always like, shut up. Like I've been waiting for 30 years and in my whole career to like have, have the phone ring off the hook. Like it, it is now. So, um, I don't know what just happened, but you know, I think from the realtor's perspective, these are houses that never would have been seen before. And now they're able to get them. you know, make their client happy and, you know, sell the house and see, you know, the community it benefits the community as a whole, too, because, you know, you're, you're you're restoring that house.
1: Well, I feel like we picked a pretty easy field. Like, there are some fields that are harder to do this because they're, they're more oversaturated. Like, the old house real estate world was not oversaturated. It is now, <laughs> but when we started, we're like, gee, we're going to make old houses cool. Like, we're the only people that are doing that. Like, most of the real estate sites that were focused on old houses were you know, a little older looking, like they just, and this is, I'm not throwing shade at older people at all. I mean, there are like, I'm, (laughs) there are a lot of people who do the wonderful thing of when they retire, it's always been their dream to buy an old house. And they are some of the people that like, do the most amazing work on an old house because it's like been their lifelong dream. And we have so many people that have bought cheap old houses that are at that age and they're doing like some of my favorite projects. So I don't want to say that this is like just something that younger people do, but I do think we were the first people to position the world of old houses and restoration in a way that young people could understand. And I also think like are are the language that we use, it's again, it's just finding your own voice, the language that we've always used on Circa. I mean, I come from a very academic background. I don't use, I don't use big preservation words. Um, You know, I think of it a little bit like, like wine, you know, if just because you don't know how to describe wine doesn't mean that you can't taste it and be like, I like that. And, and, Mm -hmm. and you might feel that you're sort of shut out of the world of like wine connoisseurs, but whatever, if you like it, you like it. And I think there's a magic people feel when they walk into old houses that you don't have to be, you don't have to have a degree in architectural history to understand. I mean, I was a little kid growing up in one and I felt the magic of like the secret room. We had a secret room in my house that was like a little corridor connecting to the two parts of the house that were built at separate times. And I think that, you know, there's, I wanted, we wanted to tap into that magic and not exclude anyone. So our language has always been very celebratory, very positive, very just like, familiar and friendly so as to not you know alienate or for us there's always like
0: that i don't know the 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 visceral feeling of you're passing by an old house and you see it kind of you know as you're cruising by or whatever and you you know i remember as a young kid too like i I wonder what's going on there like i want i wonder you know you just have this like super curiosity and you know it's like falling down or whatever and you can't help but look it's like this you know
1: um, like, I think everyone, even people who wouldn't say they're preservationists or old house people, like, have seen that fixer-upper and and feel that, like, you're curious about it. Like, every everyone has the story of that house in their town growing up, of that, like, creepy house that everybody wondered about, you know, that had all these stories connected to it.
2: Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks.
3: To find Organic Valley Dairy near you, visit ov.coop. That's ov.coop.
4: But how do you keep it? Because ultimately it is about your love of architecture and preserving these old houses. And when you turn your passion into a business, sometimes I feel like some of the business stuff, which is the for some people the less fun stuff, it's like, well, but if you want to grow this thing, you got to kind of pay attention to some of that stuff. And so how are you, fi- I guess it's very helpful that you both kind of have a very specific role within the organization so that, Elizabeth, I imagine you can still focus on as much of the creative stuff you want to. And Ethan, you can figure on as much as the creative marketing stuff and the business right. stuff if you want to. But how do, you, how do you still maintain your passion for the stuff when the business stuff gets annoying and kind of gets in the way? It's like, ah, I didn't really want to be, managing a bunch of stuff. I just want to find old houses and tell people about old houses. How do you, how do you kind of keep the balance when you're, when you're scaling up your passion project?
1: I, it's hard. I mean, sometimes you have to put in the years of work and then you have to be like, all right, I need to hire this out. Like hopefully after you've put in years and years of work, you can like, for instance, we sell products on Circa, like old house cheerleader, rah, rah, like um, pennants and t-shirts and things like that. And, I package them myself and I'm not like, I don't love packaging products. Like I like to design the products and to like wear them. And like, I love that creative part of it, but like the actual like fulfillment of the orders. And finally, just the other day we like, we're, we're, we're having someone else help us with that. So I think it's like, And you have
0: to hack at it or do it until you can get to that point where, you know, you can turn it over. Right. And you're going to take that little financial hit and then, but you're going to get that, all that life back. And then I think for the stuff on the positive side, like for us, it's the auctions. It's going to look at houses. It's continuing to dream. It's renovating our own house. It's doing the projects that, you know, we just like love being outside and like doing the projects in our house and tinkering. And, um, I don't know. I think that stuff and having our, and continually having another project, like that sounds ridiculous because we have a lot of projects going on in a way right now um but you know i i think we're not gonna ever stop that kind of creative like dabbling into other new fun things
1: yeah you i mean my my advice is like find your voice stick at it just like don't don't stop because you know, we know what we can turn, can turn on and what we will get punished for turning off at this point. Like our audience, we can't disappoint, you know, our audience in certain ways. We know what they want to hear. We know what, like it used to be, you know, a few years ago, we, we couldn't take vacation. We would go on vacation and be like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to post on Instagram for a week. And the whole thing's going to shut down. I'm going to have no business when we get back. (laughs) Now I'm like, on vacation, see you in two weeks, and I'm like n- like nothing happens it, it's right. it's really not the end of the world I think you but I wouldn't know that unless I had sort of gone through all the you know i think it's i think in a sense you know there are some businesses that very early on get swept up by an investor, and the people have less of an attachment to their Business from the get go, like we are so scrappy and so like these things are so self made that we know all the ins and outs of everything, and
0: we're like really ridiculously control controlling in terms of <laughs> you know we don't want to ever like really give it up, and it's probably to our demise if you will, but you know it's like
1: you it's, know it's good in a way because I guess that we we no really it understand. is
4: good because because if you turn it over to someone and they made a bad choice that wasn't in line with the kind of stuff. You would still eat shit for that, even, even if you didn't make the choice. You know what I mean? Like, you're still responsible for it. So it is still your child, right. and you still have the relationship to the audience. And so, no, I, I totally, under- I completely understand what you're talking about. It just, it's just because you care about it. But also, you know, again, it's, are you comfortable at all talking about sort of what the business model of Circa and Cheap Old Houses is? Just because yeah. I, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know that there's like people can subscribe to different email lists, which are great. By the way, there's a European one. There's a, I'm, uh, there's a farm house. There's a farm (laughs) one. Um, (laughs) That's my favorite. There's all, there's all sorts of really cool different subscriptions. So I know you sell a little bit of merch and I know there's some email subscriptions, but like what's the core business model of both of them?
1: The, so the core business model of Circa is are the listings. So if you are marketing a historical home and you want to get it in front of an audience of people who are specifically looking for an old house, yeah. it's a flat fee to list it on Circa. So that's how Circa operates. Cheap old houses, we don't charge to post the houses on our website or Instagram feed, but we make money off of the newsletter subscriptions. So what
0: happens is on, on some of these, you know, posts – you have eight hundred thousand people looking at a house, and then the sort of market kind of goes wildfire in terms of looking at this house, and it might become very competitive to get this house. Um, so these newsletters offer you know uh, a deeper dive every single week into fifteen more properties specifically for farmhouses, and then they also give you a little bit more opportunity to be the person who's actually going to get it because it's it's there's, there's only you know there's, there's there's not millions of people looking at it. Um,
1: there's less of like a pool of competition.
0: Got it. Got it. Got it. So,
4: but there's no like referral fee or anything like sometimes. No,
1: we are not real estate agents. And I think in fact, we've looked into becoming them before and it's, you know, we've
0: definitely toyed with some different business options as to how this could work. Um,
1: yeah, I, I really like the, I really, we re- I really like just like presenting the house and the marketing side of it. And I don't know if I want to do the
4: Get all into real estate agent
1: side of it. And I think it would, it would change. It would bring up conflicts with like, I'm free to do so much now and kind right. of enjoy that freedom.
4: Well, that, that, Okay, so that's a really great point that you just made because it, that, that comes from a place of you knowing what you want to do and how you want to live your life and the kind of balance you want to have rather than just approaching it business first, like, oh, I'm going to take a swing at something where I might make more money, but I would sacrifice freedom, flexibility, you know, quiet corners of my life because I'd be all in on this other thing. So that's that's a really profound kind of thing to understand, to know that you don't that's just not, that brings up a whole bunch of other responsibilities and challenges that you're not interested in.
0: Trust me. I fight for some of the stuff, Chris, but like, you know, <laughs> it's like, I, I'm like,
1: I, yeah, I'm, I'm probably the one who's these are her like, babies. but our family and our time. And like, we can't like, cause I think I'm like a, just like by nature, a pretty pr- private person. So I don't like sure. a lot of invasion into my life. So I'm always like trying to just be like, no, 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 no. And say no a lot. Whereas but Ethan throws a lot of.
4: But that's a good ba- that's a good balance that you guys have. You know, my mom's been a realtor for thirty five years or something like that. And I I I think the other thing that the HGTV generation has sort of brought is, uh, you know, it's super easy to just flip a house. You could just flip a house, and <laughs> for a while I'll even cut up and go, "Mom, should I flip a house?" And she'll go, "Uh,
0: I it's like gambling." <laughs> 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 you know, honestly though, I, I I swear I don't think it's so much like gambling. I don't know, like I don't know, maybe. And, and I'm still naive to such a degree, though. That's the problem. Like I have, like I'm like, oh, it needs everything, okay. You know, and I'm like, okay. And I start to do the number. I'm like, okay, plumbing for the whole house would cost, okay. What does that cost? Ten, fifteen, twenty thousand. Then da da da, and and you just kind of go through all the things, and I'm like, okay, like. Even if you buy the house for fifty thousand and you put a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand in, you're like, okay. And the market says two hundred thousand, two fifty, or whatever the market is in that area. Um, I'm, I still am that naive. And I, <laughs> I think
1: it's sometimes good to be naive in things yes. in life. Like I think that. Honestly, again, like we, we work so hard at this. And I honestly think if anyone had said like, it's going to be this much work, I would have been like, okay, and I'll just stick with my desk job. And like, I, that's good. And
0: you always say to me, you're always like, if you, if you go into an investment property thinking you're going to get your investment out, like you're not going into, it's the right reasons to. Well, if you're um, going
1: into it for an, as an investment property, that's different. But I think a lot of the people, like my hope for the people who follow our feeds and I think most old house people will tell you this. is like you're never going to make your money back over the course of the 40 years that you live in this house and work on it and put your blood, sweat, and tears into it and do some things yourself and hire some things out. Like you're never going to get that back. But what you are going to get back are like 40 years of like learning and the beauty of the house and having restored a piece of history. And, and like and then. Yeah. And when you think of it as just like the – if you're thinking of it as just the bottom line – then like maybe it's not the go best buy and, a condo and, yeah and Florida. when people when people <laughs> like tell like look at it that way well isn't it a ton of work and is not it gonna cost a lot of money like I don't I think they're sort of missing the point <laughs> a
4: little yeah bit. and also you don't have to own a house for 40 years and I think that puts some people off too when they hear like 40 year loan they go oh my god I'm paying this for 40 years maybe but you also at some point could sell that house and yes. you could get another house or just hang on to it and rent it out and have it as an income property. It's like, just because you're getting a loan for 40 years doesn't mean that you have to live, that you're, that you have to live in that house for 40 years or even that you're committed to it for 40 years. You can, you can sell it, It, it but it is good. If you love it, it is good. If you love what you're doing. And even with flipping though, it's just like, okay, you know, you want to make sure that it's affordable and it's, but that the renovations can keep you underneath what the the median value is in that area, in that area. And also like that you're prepared in case the house needs 10 times more. I always feel like it's always two or three times more expensive than you think it's going to be and two or three times longer than you think it's going to take. Yeah, And you, you really have to be comfortable knowing that a 30% might go sideways. And as long as you accept that, And know like well you'll get through it, then it's fine. But if you go in thinking it's going to be super easy, it just—I don't want to put people off it, but I just do want them to understand. Like, but there is a—you know—there is a little bit of a curve to it. You know, there is. They're always gonna. I mean, in
0: in in respect, you have to be a little crazy too to even take it on first place, (laughs) as your mom said, because she's like, "Uh, I don't know. You know, it's like, but. Um, and then just even do the thing, you know, it's just.
1: Yeah. Like I, know we have friends who like, don't totally understand what we're doing and (laughs) like are sort of like, well, why would you, you know, and I'm like, you know, you shouldn't buy this. Like, this is not, but if you are the kind of person that feels this like drive and desire to do this, then, you know, don't let all the people who tell you you're crazy stop you because you'll figure it out. Like there's, it's, people do it.
4: Some people just don't, and there's nothing, there's no right or wrong answer. Some people just see a house as a place to shower and sleep, and they just want it to be as simple as possible. They want to come in, have everything open, modern, simple, no, you know, and that's fine. That's totally fine for them. But if you really want, like, if you really want a living, breathing organism that is, you know, a place that's going to, hold the story of your life and be a part of your family and be an expression of who you are. I enjoy that journey and I recommend it to people, but you know, it's not necessarily for everybody.
1: I agree. And I don't think it's good for the houses either to be taken over by someone who isn't totally into it. I think that you have to be in, you know, I don't think that the cheap old houses audience represents, um, the majority of america by any sense it's it's a very it's a very loud minority and excited minority but um we're a special breed and i'm glad i'm glad because i don't want to be competing with everybody for these
3: no for these. but
4: it, it it's such a and and i know that there is a bit of a trend like in you you definitely hit on something that you know it's going back to the question about like well you know when you're from a marketing standpoint you know, it's sort of asking like, well, what else out there? Here's this need that we think exists. What else out there? What else is out there that's answering this these questions? And it's like, oh, not really much or not much in the way that I would do it. Like it's it's there, but it's not my point of view or I have a spin on this that I think is really different. But, But again, you know, even just a couple simple questions for people to ask themselves to help cut through the noise cuz that's a, you know when people say they ask me about starting podcasts or they ask me about starting stand up or whatever and they go yeah but there's so many comedians there's so many you know like podcasts how do i cut through the noise and it's like well you just you you just be the most you you are but at a certain point some marketing needs to kick in and so what is what are those first couple of core questions
1: Uh, well, what is it that you, if, if you could spend all your time 24 hours a day doing, like, would you be happy doing it? Um, it really is finding your voice and it's putting the time in to be able to find your voice. And I think to some extent, like you kind of have to be good at it. I think there's, there may be some people who don't have good timing that could eventually learn to become comedians. But I think right. in a sense, there are certain attributes of it that make a good comedian, right? Like, and if you don't have it, it's going to be harder for you probably in the long run. So to have a sense also of your strengths and weaknesses and have people always told you that you're funny and you always have good timing. And like, like what are those things, you know, are you,
0: I think also um, what platform is going to be the best for the thing that you're doing. So, I mean, I find it crazy that NBA students are learning about social media and like podcasting and like all the things that, you know, we are doing and they're, putting that into their business models. And like, what is the platform that's going to, you know, for us, it was Instagram and we don't, we, you know, we don't really want to be on Facebook and we don't really want to be on, I don't know, like we so would never work on Snapchat or, 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 um, uh, um, got him like working on the new one. <laughs> the <talk>. Twitter, Sure. <laughs> what? TikTok, you know, TikTok like, exactly. I was thinking of TikTok. I'm like, how, you know, how do you make old, ha- you know, houses dance on, you know, Twitter?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but <laughs> but, yeah, you, bird, you don't have TikTok. to be on every platform. You just have to find the one that works for you, build your audience on it, and then I do believe that you need to expand a little bit away from it because social media moves so quickly that. And you when have, that platform- and I think at
0: the end you have to have like a monetization sort of question, like what you know. Obviously, everyone has ideals, but like, how do you make this? work for you. So it can actually become a business. Um,
1: and it, and it has to fit into your lifestyle. I think that you couldn't, you know, for a while I was, I've always wanted to be able to do like more like YouTube house tours, but you know, I work from home. I have a five-year old. We're in a pandemic. There's no school. Like that is very unrealistic (laughs) for me to do. I mean, I'm married to someone who has a video agency and like, I still can't make that happen. And I think you just have to be like, look, is this like, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to sustain that so but Instagram like like I can find real estate listings I can put them up like put it has to fit into times. your life
0: totally yeah. And she's always fought for that I don't even know how she's fought for, but I fought for the videos for a while and she's like I, ha, like how what you know da, da. um like, like
1: I used to do a lot more like lectures and I was a I was a Oh, yeah. licensed New York city tour guide. Now we have like tours and you know, it's like, just the time, the time to go to do, do walking
0: tours and the prep and the, you know, to get tips, you know, it's sort of like, oof that, that business model doesn't, <laughs> how do you convert that?
1: Well, <laughs> also, and, and also to realize that like when you're, if your first business doesn't work, like try again, you know, like we've, we've started so many things and you just kind of throw darts and see what sticks and what people respond to. Yeah, but
4: ultimately you knew exactly what it was that you wanted to do in terms of, you know, I want balance. I want to work from home. I want to be able to be with my family. I want something that I don't have to answer to someone else. Like you you had a, like separate from the specific passion, you had some global ideas that you were very certain about, which helped inform how you're going to express that passion and I think those are the important questions for people to ask it's like not just what do I want to do but what kind of life do I want to lead while doing it how do I want this to fit into my life rather than being dragged around by this idea where you don't really have any control over your own life anymore
0: she has a special like way to like Know these things, and like my left arm will hurt, and I'll think my right arm actually hurts, and like and she's like, no, it's your left arm, and I'm like, how do you know this about my left arm? And she just she's good about this kind of stuff. I'm I'm a little more I don't yeah, know. He even
1: started like four businesses by ten o'clock every morning, <laughs> and then he has to take a nap because he's like so he's spent. Starting businesses
4: is really fun. Starting things is great, but I find that the real friggin' skill set is maintaining because Absolutely. the maintenance is the unsexy part. It's like, that's the daily grind of like, now you're with this idea every day. You've lost that honeymoon period with it and you still have to keep it going and maintain it.
0: You know. Well, for example, I have cheap old trucks as an Instagram. I don't know if you follow, but it, and I, there's nothing to follow is the problem because I haven't maintained it. And and I'm like dying to be doing it on a daily basis, but you know, so much of life is calling me in so many different ways. And it's like the most fun thing that I have in my life and like having my old truck and being able to mess with it. I mean, I was just in the garage the other day, you know, getting some stuff done with it with a buddy, like just those are the things that I really want to be doing. Um, and you know,
1: but it's also okay to not, love it every day. I feel like we might sound a little bit like we love what we do and we love it every day and it's so great and we're so inspired to get up and work every day. No, (laughs) there are definitely days when I'm like, you know, nothing really exciting is happening with it. Instagram changed their algorithm and we have no likes. And I'm like, well, this is kind of, you know, and you, and, or, or, or the real estate market, it's really blah that day and there's nothing good out there and I'm not, I'm not able to find content. And there are definitely days that it doesn't feel that great. And you know what? You do it anyway. You just do it and it's not the most exciting day. And then you just keep going. And then a few weeks later, something will happen and or you'll get an opportunity. And And I think that there's, I think it's, I think this might be a little bit getting older, but I think younger generations especially are very much like, if I'm not feeling 100% connected to my business, then it must be wrong. And, you know, it, there, there will be days when it just, it's like, you just don't feel like doing it, you know? And they're yeah, kind like of wish
4: you, you have know? a relationship with it and not every day is going to be like the most magical day. You know, it's like some days are, you know, like with, with your work, it's like some days you just get through them. And then tomorrow it could be a great day. And the next day you're tired. And the next day there's a fire that you have to put out, you know, with the business. It's like, ah, <laughs> it's just sort of the ebb and flow of it. You know, you got to accept that. By the way, Ethan, I got to pitch you an idea since you have a video marketing agency. what if Why not just do like, why not just do your cheap old truck thing as like kind of like a, uh, Uh, a video podcast where your buddy comes over you like you work on your truck a little bit you guys kind of like dick around a little bit just have some small talk and then it's like it's like videos of like the actual process of restoring trucks because to me and i'm not like a big car guy but i do love really interesting cars but to me it feels like that essential quality of automotive is kind of watching something get restored Yep. You know, and maybe maybe there's some just a pitch. Maybe
0: there's something in there. Maybe those are some of the, the videos. The ideas, Chris, are like, like that we, would be we, so fun, though. We we yeah. I mean, the, I love it, and uh, trust me, it's not. It's 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 there. It's like all it's all there. That's the problem. In like, how do we like? We have to also keep our some of our stuff.
1: Yeah, like you know those people who are who who, who just don't have like many interests in life, and they just kind of like kick back with a beer all weekend and don't do much like that is not us we have so many ideas and we're just like (laughs) we need a million like people that fulfill them and do them for us because we're just i don't know yeah you have to pick
4: and choose like at some point (laughs) someone must have approached you about doing a cheap old houses tv show like there must be a cheap old house tv show in development somewhere
1: we've definitely been approached
4: (laughs) and it's just not does it is it is it just feel like ah it's just an extra thing we don't really want to sink our energy into
1: you know I, I'm not a person that has ever been like, I need a TV show. I want to be famous. In fact, probably quite the opposite. Uh, I will only do a TV show if it's like the right, if, if it's, if it's what cheap old houses is about Um, and it, and it really represents it well. So I'm totally open to doing it. And, and I'm, I'm just such an idealist. Like I just would want to make it sort of the perfect thing. So
4: even if you're not on it, it, even if you don't want to be on camera, it could be like those ones, like the, the ones where people, you know, pick from three homes. There's like there's no host really. It's all sort of told through the story of the couple, or the or the person who's buying the house. You know, if yeah. if, if, if you didn't want to be on camera, but it's I mean,
1: being on camera is kind of fun. I actually have a. I went oh, to college originally for theater, oh, so great. I like. I kind of. I kind of like it. Um, you know, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think just, giving up control as to someone else telling the story, I think would be impossible for Elizabeth too.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. No, I totally hear you. And that's
4: great. I mean, I, I just, to me, I just definitely, it, it, it feels like, it feels like there could be a platform jump and it, it just feels like it could be a TV show because my, my, my frustration with a lot of the renovation shows is that they always, I mean, I love, I love when shows are really about restoration and there's not a lot of shows that are about, Specifically, restoration yep. and the revitalization of, and there are a few. There's, you know, like um, there, there, there are a couple. There's a couple on DIY. They're mainly DIY shows, but or mm-hmm. um, restored like by Brett Waterman. Brett Waterman,
1: Nicole Nicole Curtis. Curtis.
4: yeah, Curtis. Curtis is great. You know, Main Cabin Masters. They, they're, they're restoration, but but just in terms of like the actual, uh, just really, just specifically focusing on these inexpensive old houses and and making it attainable. I just I'm not seeing anything like that in the landscape right now, and so I don't know. Listen, I I'm saying if you did it, I would watch. I'm really tr- pushing you to try <laughs> to do this because it's a show I want to see.
1: <laughs> well, that's awesome to hear. It's a show I would watch too. So for all the networks out there listening, <laughs> yeah, you know, no, we'd be totally we'd be totally down for it. And it's definitely something we've considered before for sure.
4: Good. Well, I you know it's it's been really enjoyable talking to you both, and I I I think it's just such a great um, lesson in yes, it's great to follow your passion, but also have somewhat of a plan. You don't have to know everything up top, be open to learning, be open to doing everything yourself. And, but also just really that core idea of what kind of life do you want to lead when you get there? Like, how do you want? And I think that that's actually probably the most important question because if, the, 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 if something really blows up and takes off, it is kind of a best case, worst case scenario. It's like, oh, good news. <laughs> also, Bad news because you're stuck with it now, so you better love it. (laughs) You better love what you do, right? And
1: honestly, making money from it might make you love it more. (laughs) So you might, if you didn't, you might learn to like love that. But yeah, Yeah. for sure.
4: (laughs) Is there anything um, else that you want to promote or plug? You know that in in the sort of in the circa old house uh, ecosystem that's going on. Well,
1: if you if you don't already follow us, follow us at Cheap Old Houses and Circa Houses on Instagram um, and Facebook and Subscribe to one of our newsletters. We have newsletters for cheap-ish old houses. Those are houses for sale for under $250,000 that focuses a little bit on more expensive parts of the country where you're not going to find anything for under $100,000. We have cheap old houses abroad, which focuses on Europe and Canada. And we have cheap old farmhouses, which is houses under $150,000 on three or more acres. And I get very excited when I talk about that one because it's my favorite. And I love researching the houses every week for that one. So...
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's great. I mean, and you, can, you can
1: do that at cheapoldhouses.com is where you can subscribe.
0: I hope to pick up cheap old trucks someday. So, you know, you can follow it. <laughs> <laughs> you might get around to it. Like you,
4: if, you know, if, and, and it could just be one of those things that's like, oh, you know, I had this idea. It was just kind of noodling around in my head for a while. And then one day I went out to the garage and it all just clicked.
1: Like, but yep. just
4: knowing that it's out there.
1: That tends to be how things happen, I think. Yep. You sort of wake up one day and it just makes sense. Like we've been saying for so long, we want to do products and we just never done it. And then one day it just made sense to do it. Um,
0: I, know. I have dreams for shows. You have to restore a truck and build the truck before you go on the Rubicon trail and it's got to get through the rubicon trail and the cheap, you know, old truck. cheap old truck you know
4: <laughs> Well that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, you have mm-hmm. to you have to like put it to the test. It's like you you restore it and then you and then you got to put it to the test.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, who knows? Yes. Um, well Chris, I you, you got to come with me on this journey of cheap old trucks too. So
4: I would love to. I mean, I you know, I'm uh, anything y'all ever I mean, I, I'll do anything you guys want. you know, like, I just, I, I'm such a, I love preservation. I sort of feel like not only is it better to kind of better for the environment, sort of preserve what's already there, but also like, you know, if something has survived for a, a two, you know, a hundred, 200 years, which is old in America, it's not old in most other parts of the world, but it's old in America, you know, it's like, Hey, let's it's it's really hung in there. Like, let's give it a let's give it a fighting shot to let it create a whole new series of of, of stories for people, and not just you know knock shit down and put up glass boxes that I think look ridiculous now, but are certainly going to look ridiculous in ten years. I like if in the seventies if they knocked everything down and put up those old clamshell houses on the pedestal that were like super seventies. But then those were everywhere. It was like five years later, be like, what the fuck is this? You know, like it's, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. well, I mean, you know, I mean like, well, we used to live in Brooklyn and like the, everybody loves the Brownstone neighborhoods. And there was something called urban renewal in the sixties where they bulldozed them all and put up like, you know, towers in the park where they thought that was going to be cleaner and more. And you know, yeah we definitely make mistakes and we learn yeah, from them and, and in
0: brooklyn we had you know a guy that, that was the rent is too damn high you know we have a housing crisis but there's towns in across america that need people <laughs> right yeah. you know it's, it's like and talk there's the environmental component there's the
1: community revitalization community there's re- the mental health component there's the feeling the of the
0: financial freedom component i mean to us this well, is oh you know, No brainer. I guarantee you there are
4: people, even if who either listen to this podcast or even before this episode of the podcast, just looking at the feed that have been feeling weird, stuck out of place or whatever, living in a, in a, in a dense city. And then we'll just see a house on your feed and go, "What? I don't need to live in this city anymore. I can go (laughs) to this place and I can do everything that I need to do there and simplify and have a much, much more room and a much better community and a, and a nicer story to tell and a more, you know, and so you, I feel like you do, you do offer people the promise of, of that, of like a, and, you know, like a, a
0: better life. And the truth is the day you leave one of these communities that you feel will be missing out on you. It, it you'll leave and nothing will really change, right? Like we left New York City and we left for a suburb or a small town outside of New York City. It's a small
1: town, small not town, a suburb.
0: Small town, sorry. <laughs> 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 and uh, it, 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 nothing, nothing changed. New York did not implode. We did not implode. It was a scary decision because we had been there for so many years, but um, New York operates well Perfect without us.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, it's really interesting, though. I mean, it's, and I think COVID has really just brought this out so much. This feeling of like escapism. You know, you're you're in your cubicle, you're pushing papers around, you're not using your hands, and you see this thing that like you can use your hands. You can you can you know, we see pixels. We don't we don't get that sense of satisfaction that you get from like completing a project from start to right. finish with your hands, and so I'm
0: not into fear mongering, but this winter not in a cheap old house, you know, with a little bit of land or whatever, you know, stuck in your city apartment kind of scares me. I'm not into fear mongering though. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, 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 you know, I think a lot of people have made the leap, but you know, my parents live where my parents live is four, uh, four hours North of the city and was always too far for really city people to move to. And real estate listings are staying on the market a day up there. Now they're flying off the market. I think people are like, People are, are yep. leaving cities right and, and I don't, I don't mean to, we love Brooklyn. I love oh New God. York City. Yeah. I love so much about it, but let's be honest, it's insanely expensive and unrealistic for most people. Yeah. And there needs to be some sort of reckoning here.
4: <laughs> well, and also I just, I think people just assumed because there wasn't really a motivating factor to, to shake the system loose of like, Okay, if I want this you know whatever this type of job, whatever this kind of random job that I'm into, I need to be in this place and it has to I have to go through this system and through I have to work in these kinds of offices and I, and now this is kind of make people go, and not for every profession, but for a lot of them like nope. oh wait a minute, I never really thought about it, but maybe I don't you know when, when when the when everyone at the same time is doing that, it really does sort of shake the system loose a little bit and you know, make people go like, oh, I could, you know, I could live in a small, I could live in Congress, New York, and (laughs) still do what I do, maybe go into the city every once in a while, but, you know, have room to breathe, or, you know, but again, some professions, yes, you need to be in the sort of center, and that's fine, but I'm saying not all of them now, we're realizing.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. I almost feel like it's like the creatives that were main, like a lot of the, you know, pushed out communities in a way.
1: Oh, and um, the creative industries are the last ones that are going to come back. And they're also the COVID. ones that
0: kind of focus on our feed and they like really understand our feed because they, they're the ones that are dreamers and always thinking of something new. Well, and making, I
4: know, you know so many actors, performers, comedians who are like, Oh, well I can do all my auditions via fa- via my phone and, and email them. Uh, most things don't shoot in Los Angeles anyway uh why am i you know my wife and i happen to like it here so we're staying but a lot of people i know are like no i'm gonna i'm gonna i got a place in utah or i got a place in idaho and i'm just i'm just gonna go there and like you know as long as i'm close to an airport then it doesn't really i'd probably end up shooting in vancouver anyway so like (laughs) right what's what's the point so i hope uh I hope the business continues to grow in a way that is satisfying and, and manageable and, and healthy for you both. And, you know, I really appreciate what you do. And you just have, uh, Elizabeth, you just have such a, an amazing eye. Like every damn house on Circle Old Houses, Houses, like oh, that's stunning. Oh my God, that's stunning. Everything <laughs> has like a really special quality. And that comes from you and, you're, and because you are seeing that. You're aggregating that. Yeah. And um, and I really appreciate it. And I will continue to recommend uh, your site to people, you know, as long as you're, as long as you have it.
1: Well, you are wonderful. And thank you for seeing the beauty in this. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's nice to talk to, I guess, like a kindred spirit, someone who just innately understands it and gets it. So. <laughs>
0: well, it's awesome okay. being on the show. Thank Don't you rest.
1: so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Have a great <laughs> rest of your day. Good to see you both. Take
3: care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks. ID10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito.
0: Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream. So he created Halo Top,